This is the Production Pro Podcast. I'm Dan Rubottom, and I'm really glad you're back listening to talk more about production from pre-production, production to post-production. So today I'm going to talk about some post-production tools that I use. I get asked that all the time, and it's not the same for everybody, obviously. Everybody has their own reasons to pick different pieces of software to get their workflow done in the best way, the most efficient way. Let me just dive in here. I've been using editing software, non-linear editing software, since the nearly the beginning of when it became mainstream, back when the Avid came out. Um, I started using it in 1992, 93, something like that. And back when it was only standard def, and we used big tube monitors, two giant 20-inch tube monitors. It was very low resolution, and it really wasn't considered good enough for online quality, but things have obviously obviously advanced a lot over the years. So going on close to 25 years of nonlinear editing, I started actually back editing radio shows. It was probably the first thing I edited on a quarter-inch reel-to-reel in my bedroom as a kid in high school. And I used to edit my pastor's sermon and I just remember, man, this is just so much power. I could like make him say whatever I want. Uh, of course, there was no undo button. There was none of that. So it would have been kind of difficult and very time consuming to do that. But it was really fun to do that and a great beginning. Uh, the next type of editing I did, well, actually, probably before that was actually on Super 8 film. I was editing little Star Wars movies like a lot of my friends were at that time using Super 8 stop motion, you know, in-camera editing, and then did some little really crude splicing with t- scotch tape and stuff and played it on our little, my dad's little reel-to-reel viewer. It had two reels and like a little, almost looked like a Viewmaster screen in front of you that you just view it on there. So it was pretty cool. The next thing, of course, VHS came along and I was editing machine to machine two VHS decks. So we used to go out and just do dumb... Um, sword movies and stuff in the woods. We were doing Super 8, and then we did the VHS. Uh, Of course, the VHS was great because it was like right away we could see it. The equipment was so bulky at the time. We had to carry it around like a separate machine, you know, a VCR hanging around on a strap on your shoulder and this huge camera on your shoulder. So it wasn't convenient, but man, it was so fun to do because it was just like we could just do it right away and we could see the results. So that was a lot of fun. So anyway, fast forward to now. That's a little background. I'll, I'll probably dive more into that later in another episode. So what do I use right now in this very instant? I use Adobe Premiere, Adobe Premiere Pro, Creative Cloud. That's what I use for all my editing. And I think probably the biggest reason I use it now is because of where I came from in the nonlinear world. So the Avid paradigm that I got used to was the, you know, the source monitor on the left and the record monitor or program monitor on the right and the timeline below it and the bins on the left, they had tracks, there's video tracks and there's audio tracks. So that's just kind of how I think. And so, and then of course, when Final Cut 7, actually, you know, Final Cut Pro came out uh, early 2000. So I think maybe it was 99. I started using that Final Cut 1.2. And I used it all the way up through Final Cut 7, although during that time, there was a few years where I was actually on an Avid DS, which because I was just pulling my hair out at the time from Final Cut, how uh, 
unreliable and unstable it was because we were trying to push it to use all this other third-party hardware. And so it just wasn't very stable. It was cheap and it was great and affordable. But so I just went back to Avid DS for a few years where I did everything on that. And it was amazing. But then when the hardware was so expensive to upgrade to HD, okay, we looked back at Final Cut. So I went back to Final Cut and my my workhorse After Effects combo. And then, um, so anyway, I'm used to that Final Cut and Avid workflow paradigm where you've got the source and record, like I said, left to right in the monitor. And it just, you know, I drag the clip from the source down to the timeline or I use my keyboard shortcuts, most likely in and out, B, overwrite, edit, whatever. And so it was just quick. So, and then when Final Cut 10 came out, I was so excited to see what it was going to be. I went to the super meet thing and Vegas at the at NAB that year. I was so excited to see what they're going to do. And it looked really cool, but there was like, uh, was it going to be iMovie? Well, anyway, I'm not going to go into all that. That's been talked about to death, but uh, it just didn't work for me. So when it was actually released, I just couldn't get my head around like the roles for audio tracks. I just, I've got to be able to see all my audio tracks as tracks. Like just I, I want to see one through eight, one through 24, however many audio tracks. I want to see them all there and be able to easily manipulate them separately from the video. I don't want them hooked onto the video, all this. Anyway, so that's where I'm at. That's kind of why it works for me the best is really the familiarity of the paradigm. If Final Cut works for you, that's awesome. If Vegas works for you, that's awesome. I really tell people, just use what you love Use what you want to use that helps you get the work done that you want to do. How do you stay creative? It does not matter. Use iMovie, use Movie Maker, whatever it is, use that tool and just stay creative, stay in the workflow so the software doesn't get in the way. You just want to get where you know the stuff, it gets out of the way, and you're just thinking about the creative process. How do I get my ideas onto the screen? Okay, so one of the other things is Premiere for me, one of the other reasons that it works for me is because it's easy to collaborate with others. I can easily send projects back and forth. I can send XMLs back and forth. I can export a sequence as a new project from Premiere and give that give that bin basically to somebody else as a project. Another thing is just it has a really good workflow for post audio houses. Now, nobody really has Avid Beat when it comes to this. When you're looking at like high-level post-production, like I just finished working on the movie Palau and I got to go out to LA to Juniper Post and oversee the the post process there and, you know, where they're doing Pro Tools. These guys are amazing. I'll, I'll go into that more later, but Premiere worked great for that, but uh, Avid really is just kind of king when it comes to Hollywood productions as far as integrating with Pro Tools. But Premiere is the next best thing. Final Cut works if you get a plug-in to, to make it happen. Another thing about Premiere I love is the easy workflow with After Effects. And this is probably kind of like the deal breaker for me. Like if I were to consider going to another NLE, another nonlinear editor, it would might be Resolve. I'm kind of looking at it. I would even consider Final Cut because I love the magnetic timeline. But for the reasons I mentioned above and really because of this reason, After Effects doesn't work directly with those programs. I mean, it's so easy to just right-click on a clip in Premiere and say, you know, create After Effects composition. Opens up the clips, if it's one or many clips, right into After Effects, all laid out, 
on the timeline in the comp window, and they're all perfectly lined up in the right settings, the right, you know, the right comp settings, the right frame rate, all that. As I mentioned before, I've been using it for about 25 years, I guess, since it came out as Cosa After Effects, so actually before Adobe bought it. Basically, After Effects can do anything. I mean, this like, what can't you do with it? You could probably come up with a few things it can't, but it it's like literally anything I've thrown at it, it's like it has never failed me. Other than the occasional bugs from new versions over the years, like, okay, now RAM preview doesn't work right, or they change the way RAM preview works, but okay, I can get past that. It's just amazing. Uh, it's I always tell people that it's as easy as you need it to be. In other words, it's got a very uh, easy way to learn it, and it's not intimidating if you just look at it. It's bare bones functionality. It's it's quite simple, but it's also as complex as you need it to be. One of the new things I've just discovered is with you know the last couple of years they've introduced this essential graphics panel, and it's it's really amazing. If you do any kind of motion graphics especially like on an episodic TV show with a lot of lower third graphics where the editor needs to change the text, you've got to check it out. It's it's mind-blowing how well it works. They just keep adding features like that that's that's so great. What I'd like to do is, is post some YouTube videos that show some of my workflow and, and you'll get kind of a, a more visual demonstration of what I'm talking about. The last reason that After, After Effects is so dear to my heart, is because I've built a career on it. It's just literally is something that has enabled me to deliver creative projects to clients in a way that no other software can. And so I really, I use Premiere and After Effects together. I always start out in Premiere and then go into After Effects and then come back out to Premiere with the rendered QuickTime usually and then just export the master from there. Now, the next step on certain projects that I would include into that workflow and another piece of software I love is DaVinci Resolve. So I've tried a lot of color grading products over the years as an editor from, I think when it really dawned on me how much I could do with color grading was when I used uh, the early color corrector in Avid Media Composer, but it was even that it was very very rudimentary and it just you couldn't push the levels very hard at all where they would just it would fall apart pretty quickly but i got to see like what you could do with tinting and different you know early on and what you could do with color and then after effects really was where i could do a lot more and then avid ds had a really amazing color corrector but then when apple bought color was really great when it came out i was like this is amazing you know it worked really well with with final cut uh, six and seven, but man, when Blackmagic Design bought DaVinci Resolve or bought Resolve from DaVinci or bought the whole company and then released it for free and then just with like a $1,000 or now $300 pro option, which doesn't even really add that many essential things to it. You can do basically everything you need to with the free version. It's it just changed my whole game with color grading and just creative workflows. Resolve to me is just the superior way to grade. It's just completely superior to any nonlinear editor. Way better than Premiere's color grading. 
or the Lumetri color panel. From just the quality of the grade you get, just the color, the way it's able to, to process the bits in in 32-bit float space, and it just it just doesn't fall apart. I mean, you can just if the footage is good, you can push, you can just do so much with with Resolve. In with one node, you can do so much more in Resolve than you could do with layers of of After Effects trying to do the same thing or Premiere or any of the plugins available in Final Cut or the built-in color panel in, in Final Cut. The quality is just amazing. The speed is just crazy good. Once I show an editor like what you can do in Resolve, what he's been trying to, to do in, a, in an editor for color grading, it's they're like, you know, mind blown. So, I mean, just be able to just copy and paste between the, the clips, that's great. But then you've got all these keyboard shortcuts. So like if I'm on one clip, I grade it, I go to the next clip, I just hit the minus key. So it or hit the equal key, it grabs the previous clips grade instantly, or it'll if I hit the minus key, it'll grab the two clip previous grade instantly. So it just applies it. There's just so like when you're going forward from like the beginning to an end, it's just really fast that way, especially if you've got some some grades already built. And then just you know assigning sh- shortcuts to your keyboard. So option one will put it to uh, your to a memory, and then I could just hit Command One to recall it anywhere in the grade. You can sort the whole timeline, like you could sort a complete movie based on only the clips that haven't been graded, or you can sort all the clips just from one camera, or you can sort all the clips that have been modified in the last two hours. Whatever, there's a lot of different options like that that are just simply not available. I know there's a lot of other really amazing high-end color grading programs. But as far as from in my world, what I use, this this is the way to do it. Okay, so another thing about Resolve that's just really amazing is just just power windows, okay? They used to call them power windows, but now they're just called windows, right? So, I mean, if you just hit option C for a new window, or if you've got a panel in front of you, just hit the new window plus button. What you can do with a window in tailoring and crafting your grade after the fact is just amazing. I mean... When I first started using that, I was my eyes were just open, especially if your footage has got a lot of latitude. If you're shooting with, you know, a Red or an Alexa or or even a 5D or something, where you can, you know, you have to kind of work within the the codex limitations, the camera's dynamic range limitations. But knowing what those things are, you can tailor things like, okay, I'm gonna just darken the area around this corner of the room, which is not important, which film would do a lot of times more automatically just by the nature of the, the curve that film kind of has, at least in older film stocks. But you can darken an area that you didn't have time to, to throw a flag on on set. I'm also the DP on most of my own projects, so I know I can fix that in a grade. Certain things, you're like, okay, we don't have time to throw a teaser above this on that wall back there, but I know I can throw a, a, a window on there and just bring bring down the level a little bit, soften it out, and you would never know it wasn't something that we just did in, on set. So that's that's something really powerful. I won't even go on to all, all you can do. Basically, it's your second chance to kind of light it or finesse it. You don't want to go too far because it, it starts to look fake. And then when you combine windows with the tracking in Resolve, the tracking is uh, is just astounding in how well it works. So I just love that. So another thing 
if you are doing this a lot or doing it enough where it makes sense, get a control surface. Get a control surface like a, a tangent or really with the one I prefer now is the uh, Blackmagic, the mini panel. And it's just really great. I, I graded the whole feature Palau with this panel and this setup. It just is game changing. So on to the next piece of software, Adobe Audition. And I'm not like a full-time audio engineer, audio mixer that would probably use Pro Tools. But for me as an editor primarily, I use Audition because it works so well with Premiere. Like After Effects does in a way, I can just select a sequence and send it all to Audition and all the tracks are intact. And many of the effects that I've put on in Premiere also come across in Audition non-destructively. They're just in there as effects that can turn on or off and makes so much better within Audition. I don't always do that. I do a lot of mixing in Premiere, actually, uh, for a lot of projects. But for projects where I've got the budget or the project really merits it, I do recommend and I do try to bring in an audio post guy, uh, an audio post house, where they just take the mix from there. And it's just so freeing. I mean, where you can just focus on the edit, get the, the basic audio edits, as close as you can, but then let them just focus on the mix and they can do so much more than, than I can and, and premiere, of course, and then certainly way more than I can do in audition. It's no replacement for a, a, a master mixer, you know, using pro tools or whatever they choose to use. So, and audition is just easy for me. It's, it's got a lot of power and it can be intimidating, but it's definitely still approachable. And a lot of the same keyboard shortcuts work. So like JKL, in and out those kind of things are brought over from Premiere. So I just love the muscle memory to be the same between apps as much as I can for my keyboard. So that's really good. And then it's just a lot of support online. There's so many YouTube videos of people that'll, if you don't know how to do something in Audition, just go to YouTube and you'll find out. There's just a lot of, a lot of users because of the nature that it came with Premiere and is bundled with Creative Cloud, it just makes sense that there's so many users out there and so you can pick a lot of brains if you don't know how to do something. So the last thing I want to talk about, other applications that I use that really help me in my workflow as just a creative professional. The first one I would just say I use probably more than anything is Evernote. So that's where I keep all my my notes. I keep just quick scripts. If I've got ideas for a spot or an idea for a treatment for a film, anything, I that's where I, I just, that's my idea catcher. The next thing I love to use is shot designer. And that's kind of bridges more into, over into my production side of things. I use it on my phone and on my Mac. It syncs both together. So I can come up with quick shot ideas. If I'm going on set the next day, I can quickly block out a scene and put my actors or my talent wherever they're going to need to be in this quickly sketched out room with wall builders and prop pieces and cameras and camera moves. So anyway, check it out if you haven't already. Another thing I use, I just started using since working on the movie Palau uh, was NeoFinder. And many of you probably already use that, but it's a really great, it's not really a, a replacement for the, the Mac the OS 10 finder, but what I like about it is just the ability to catalog volumes or catalog drives. So it'll go through and make thumbnails. Basically it'll make a, a picture, a snapshot, 
but with all the metadata of all the files that are on a drive with the same file structure and everything. So I can virtually go into that drive when the drive's not mounted on the computer. So in other words, I use it for archives a lot. So I'll copy a project off my main online drive that I use actively, my RAID. I'll back it up onto a, a bare eSATA drive, and then I'll catalog that drive in NeoFinder, and then I'll eject that drive, put it on the shelf, and then later, if I'm looking for a piece of footage, I can just quickly search in NeoFinder, and it'll tell me what drive it's on. So another thing that's kind of cool, it's a little piece of software, is called Post Haste. It's just a free little piece of software that basically helps you to template folders on your hard drive for a project. And so in other words, when I create a new project, I have in it the project name. And then inside that, I have a folders or series of folders called Premiere, Renders, After Effects, Audio, Grade, etc. So if I know I'm going to do that every time, I'll use Post Haste to create a template for that. So it'll make those folders every time for me and it'll create a new name and I can tell it where to save it and boom, really nice time saver there. And another piece of software I use real quick is Wonderlist. I use it, I've been using it for probably 10 years now. It's, I think I paid $3 for the paid version and it's amazing. It's never let me down. It's really good. It syncs on your desktop and on my phone. But Wonderlist I find is much more deeper and even easier to use than the to-do list. It's got subtasks. It's got projects. It's got, I mean, it's, it's really great. You can collaborate with people. So the last piece of software really quick, and this is not really post, but it is because it helps me in post when I'm following along on a script that's already been written is Final Draft 11. And I'm not really a script writer, but I'm like a director DP that writes. So, and I've been getting into that more in the last probably 10 years, just little by little, just trying to learn the craft more. And I use it, I used it to write a screenplay a couple of years ago that I'm hoping to get produced soon called The Chase. And also the projects I've been working on, the, the feature film Palau, I did, I used Final Draft a lot just for edits and that kind of thing. Final Draft's great. I prefer it for screenwriting and just collaborating with other pros in that field. So that's it for this week. But let me give you a little preview of some upcoming episodes that I plan to record and release in the coming weeks in no particular order. How to light a feature film. So my experience working on the movie Palau as the DP, director of photography, and I'm going to go through some of the my experience there, and it was really an amazing experience. I, I learned so much. I also got to bring the skills that I learned over the years and many, many, many different productions, but it was the first feature I've been able to light, and it was just a real honor, and I just I loved it. Using keyboard shortcuts and other devices to speed up your workflow. There'll probably be kind of a short episode. Maybe I'll have a, a corresponding YouTube video. Another topic I'll dive into is grading better in Resolve. I'll start with some basics in, in Resolve, and then we'll probably do another episode, some advanced techniques in Resolve. And also, I wanna talk about how to edit a feature film, not how to edit it. Literally, you, you gotta edit your film the way you're gonna do it with your script and your, you know, but. How did I do it? And maybe some things I can pass along to you, things I learned, things that I knew coming into it and things that that I changed my mind about. And so we'll dive into that and just some real world things. I'll, I'll try to have some show notes on that 
some screen grabs on what that looks like, maybe a YouTube clip for that. And then my goal is to go into some other lighting series, a grading series, visual effects. How did I use Fusion on Palau, the movie? How did I use it just to, to get rid of modern elements in the scene? So that's some of the things I'll be talking about in upcoming episodes. Let me know what you think and leave a comment if there's anything you'd like me to cover for future episodes. You can reach me at my website, danrubottom.com. That's D-A-N-R-U-B-O-T-T-O-M.com. And on Instagram, Vimeo, Twitter, and Facebook at Dan Rubottom. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and hopefully there's something in there that can help you. Finally, I'll leave you with this. John 14, 27. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Learn the craft, be creative, and go make something great. Thank you.